spoiler alert for Avengers Endgame. We're going to spoil it in this podcast. Don't listen to this podcast if you don't want it spoiled. And when you leave the theater, don't talk till you get to your car. Because spoilers. The following contains plot spoilers and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. Sometimes you can review superhero movies without reviewing superhero movies at all. This is Totally Super. Hi, welcome to Totally Super, where we re- review every superhero movie ever made, and even some not made yet. My name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. And today we're doing something different. Um, as part of our uh, month-long celebration of Avengers Endgame, uh, we are going to wrap it up with a look forward into the Marvel Universe. Um, and it's going to be more of a conversation. Uh, I have some news that we're going to be talking about, and just taking a look at where we go from here. Because, I mean, frankly, Endgame ends uh, with a changed Marvel Universe. And we I wanted to talk about why, how we can possibly move forward um, and, and what this does with, uh, with the movies coming up. The idea of messing up the sandbox that you have to play in. Um, and also, we were going to talk about a, a, another phenomenon. Arthur, could you break that to them, please? Uh, I think this phenomena, uh, as I'm sure many of you are, are familiar with right now, is the concept of spoilers and not just what constitutes a spoiler, but also, you know, in our social media society, what is the rules of etiquette regarding spoilers? What is the statute of limitations before you should be allowed to talk about it? Um, just as mu- after Endgame, I saw just as many conversations about the film as I did about whether or not you were allowed to talk about the film. And I think we're at a turning point where like there's a whole new etiquette being set up that we're trying to figure out as a society uh, regarding spoilers. And so I thought oh, it might be something that we could get some, some conversation out of. So with that being said, let's be clear. There are going to be spoilers in this episode uh, for Avengers oh, yeah. Endgame. Um, possible spoilers for uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I want to start right off by talking about spoilers. And the fact that uh, the Russo brothers who directed Avengers Endgame f- full out said the spoiler ban lifts on Monday. And that Monday was the Monday before this recording. So this would be like on May 4th, two weeks after the film came out. The directors of the film said the ban on spoilers is lifted on Monday. Which is a really interesting thing to do, to come out straight and go, hey, the, the the ban has been lifted. And that was specifically because they wanted to release a new trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home, which has spoilers for Endgame in it. it so mm-hmm. that's what do you think about the idea of, before we get into it, we'll do, get into the big spoiler discussion at the end. What do you think of, of uh, a specific laid out spoiler ban being lifted by the creators as being the the threshold through which you can do spoilers or do you think that etiquette i don't i don't think anyone's got that level of control um i see like if they had said there's a difference between saying hey there's a trailer for spider-man far from home coming out that is going to have spoilers so you know be aware um there's a difference between that and trying to make a unilateral decision about saying the ban on spoilers is over uh, because you you can't make that call for everybody. There's still plenty of people who haven't seen it. Um, and, and we'll get into that later on is whether, I mean, 
no one can make that call for everyone. Uh, so I thought it was a little, I, I had no problem with them releasing the trailer. Uh, I had no problem with them wanting to, and then essentially saying, Hey, this trailer has spoiler warnings for Endgame." Like all of that is fine. Uh, the concept of we're going to say that the ban on spoilers is over that, uh, that just didn't sit too right with me. You know, it's interesting because what we're doing right now, you and I have a, have, have a unique opportunity in that we have the show and we can talk on the show. Um, I do get the desire specifically to end game as we, as we circle back around to end game and what comes next, the desire to have a water cooler discussion about the movie and about mm-hmm. what happened in the film and and about pretty much what we're about to do now, what's coming next. I get the the desire to do that and Facebook and, you know, to a larger extent for the, those of us who are older, it's weird that the kids feel like like Facebook is for old people. Um, but the, the Facebook I... largely has become that water cooler, the place where you discuss things, the place where you debate things. And... And to not be able to go on, because that's that's a lot of people's, and for a while, even myself, it it becomes your sole area of of I guess like Socratic debate almost, like it becomes your sole mm-hmm. place where you can. You and I used to both used uh, used to both write on a site called Barnson.org, where anything was up for discussion, and you could have long discussions with people. And it was easy to do that. And you had this forum to to talk about what might come next. And I feel like people have wanted to postulate that to to talk about things that happened in the film. And the the problem with Facebook is that there's no amount of there's no real good way to stop that spoiler from leaking through. Um, mm-hmm. Because people want to do this, people want to do what you and I are about to do. Because frankly, the movie opens up so many doors that you wonder, like how the how the hell is Marvel well, going to walk through these doors? Talking like, seemed- about any story is one of the ways that you help process that story. So the the inability to talk about it on the forum where you talk about most things is mm-hmm. a it's it's a difficult thing in and of itself. Um, now we're going to yeah, talk about wanna, you know, good and bad ways to do be- that, but. Yeah, because I want to be clear with it. Like my my goal in this discussion is not to judge anyone per se. I will um, be doing the judging. Yeah. <laughs> um, the fact is, what we have is a. I mean, is this a huge social problem? Uh, you know, like you know, world hunger or something? No, of yes. course not. Oh no, but sorry, it no, is. I mean. Yeah, uh, but it is a. It is something that we are all. It is a minor thing that we are all dealing with. And I was talking with, uh, with Kelly, my wife about it, and we were realizing it's sort of, you know, like the whole, you know, the book of etiquette or the big book of manners that our grandmothers are always referencing. What that concept was about was, hey, you know, none of these are, you know, bad manners is not a huge crime. All that bad manners is, is, hey, there's this little social thing that we've agreed on that allows us to sort of just be more considerate to each other. And sometimes we disagree on how best to be considerate or who deserves the consideration. Um, And so that's when you get into a debate over what is quote unquote good manners or bad manners. And how you address spoilers is it's an etiquette and manners discussion. It's not a huge freaking deal 
But right now, you've got a whole bunch of different people, all of whom have legitimate uh, have legitimate needs. On one side, you've got the people who are saying, I just saw this. I want to be able to talk about it. This is a forum for talking about things. I shouldn't be prevented from doing that. And then on the other side, you've got people saying, hey, I haven't had a chance to see this yet. This forum is not just where I go to talk about films. This is a forum that I use for a whole bunch of other things, too. And I can't just be expected to not like you can't just tell somebody, oh, stay off Facebook for a week and a half. Um, That's that's not realistic either. Uh, So you've got these two opposing legitimately valid needs. And then the question becomes, well, how do we find a way that accommodates both as much as possible? So. Putting that to the side for a little bit, let's talk about uh, what everybody wants to talk about, what everybody wants to spoil, um, which is specifically, and I think the biggest thing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the five-year gap in Avengers Endgame is, I think, the the biggest thing that I kind of want to talk about and and what's going to happen next. And of course, so the departure... going to go some serious headcanon then. Yeah. Um, and specifically, the I guess also the departure of Tony Stark and the reimagined ending for um for captain america now i'm going to start with cap and i'm going to ask you a real question do you think there's any chance that they push the captain america steve rogers story forward anymore um in any way in that i was recently listening to a podcast where kevin smith interviews the writers of the film and they postulated well what if you got Chris Evans in there for a couple of scenes and old AJ makeup to be like the new Nick Fury. Or what if you had, or he was like the new director Pierce and you got to see him here or there. Or what if there was, you know, a movie, let's say 10 years ago, 10 years from now, they decided to do like a, a spy movie with some character from Marvel set in the seventies. And there he is as a, like the, you know, as a 60 year old man. Do you think there's any chance they go back to cap or do you think that they, they that cap has the button that he needed and cap is done well let me let me start uh by giving the proviso that it has been scientifically proven that monkeys throwing darts at a dartboard are actually better predictors of what will happen in the future than the opinions of expert pundits on the subject uh so that being said my best guess is that they will not in any way seriously advance the Cap storyline. Um, I think there's certainly potential for a cameo here and there in a, you know, in a show uh, or a film, but I don't see him as being a major player in the future. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you there. I think that people love the idea that he's out there and we, you know, people have had problems and we talked about it before with the idea that Captain America from the 1940s through 2019 sat out all the events, both actual historical and Marvel related events that happened. He watched them happen on the news and he stayed home. Like the idea that that was the case, the idea that Peggy Carter was the head of shield and Captain America, her husband, we assume, uh, Steve Rogers had nothing to do with that. Um, mm-hmm. The we know that Peggy had a, a husband and kids. You know the people have postulated were those husband and because that's from Winter Soldier. Were those husband and kids? Was that actually Steve the whole time? Um, but the fact is, is she was the head of Shield. You see her at the beginning of Ant Man, 
into her later years. So she was, we assume, married to Cap during those years. Does that mean she didn't get to be head of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well, I hope not, because that's you know what's awesome for Peggy. I also think, unfortunately for Peggy fans, now that we've done this with Cap, that puts a... That puts an end to we're not ever going to see Haley Atwell resuming the role of Peggy Carter because there's just no way. Right. There's no way to bring her the, the the minute you bring her back. The first question you have is where Steve where Steve and it's going to be like those episodes of Voyager where like Counselor Troy showed up and she's like, oh, yes, Commander Riker is going to be here in just four days and you never see him. She just talks about how he's coming to pick her up. And I just feel like mm-hmm. that's you can't do Peggy Carter without doing that so i think that she's got a button on her and her show correct i think that's possible although yes although i feel like that that show reached its button a couple years ago um it would be one thing if i mean i loved the two seasons of agent carter um i would have loved a couple more but uh you know that show's been off the air for four years and uh it would be one thing if like it would be one thing if they dropped a bomb in Endgame that pretty much ruins anything having to do with Agents of Shield moving forward. Well, we'll talk uh, about that. Because, that's my next. That's my next subject, actually. Um, that's one I still need to get caught up on too. But the with her, it was it was it was buttoned already. Uh, it does also give rise to a greater question, though, which is inevitable when you're dealing with time travel. Like, I remember when the the sort of reboot of the Star Trek cinematic world came out. Um, you and I having a conversation uh, and you saying that J.J. Abrams essentially kind of destroyed the previous Star Trek because it by going back and changing the timeline, he's like, now you had this sense of so none of that stuff ever happened anymore. Um, he and from a storytelling perspective, there's different opinions on this, but you have to ask the question, OK, does doing something in one story that, you know, that references time travel or something like that, does it completely ruin a previous story? Even though you could just go but like, yes, technically, you might be able to make a case for, oh, the original Star Trek universe didn't happen, except all of those films are still 100% available for us to go and watch at any time. So it's like, I think you you would tend to come down on the side of, yeah, but it sort of forever changes the way that I view those previous films. Whereas for me, it doesn't have as much of an effect. And I think that is one of the core things at question here in regards to you know, Captain America going back. Yeah, I I mean I I feel like in the terms of Cap, I think that there there gets to be a point. And I've reached this point as a screenwriter. Um I reach this point in Ninjas versus Monsters specifically a lot, where you say, does what matters more, the logic or the feelings? Like does mm-hmm. it like sometimes it has to not make sense in order to give you the best um, emotional outcome. And the fact is, mm-hmm. is the Steve Rogers situation doesn't make any sense. It really but it did give us that you're, you're you are 100 percent right. But it also did give a lot of us the emotional outcome that we were hoping for for. Him. Yeah, you're going you're going to have 15 percent of the audience who are going to reject and maybe rightly so. They're going to reject what has happened um, and Steve's emotional arc at the end because you go, well, Steve would never do that. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't follow the rules of time travel. If he goes back and he's with Peggy, he should not even be able to appear in this timeline. He should be in a different timeline. Um, like he should not be able to come back to here. 
and and be the the same man that he was before that like that it doesn't follow at all and yet getting that moment with him as a, as an old man saying you know he doesn't want to talk, I think that it's it I think that it makes total sense so I am mm-hmm. I am down with that so let me let me talk about Agents of Shield uh, real quick. oh wait no no I want to talk about one other thing about pay, about Agent Carter Agent Carter does get a certain distinction in this film in that the appearance of Jarvis as uh, as Howard Stark's uh, butler and that actor playing Jarvis is the first time anything from any Marvel show has ever crossed into the movies. The movies always trickle down into the shows. The shows never trickle up into the movies. So the appearance of that guy as Jarvis is the first time the shows have ever trickled up into the movies. And the fact that it came from Agent Carter, I think is kind of sweet. That is I think very true. Well, because even because the guy neat. who played Howard Stark in Agent Carter was not the same one who played Howard Stark in the film. Yeah, there have been there have been two Howard Starks. Um, there mm-hmm. was the Howard Stark that you saw in um, in Iron Man 2, which is the Howard Stark that you get here. The one who's on um, on the videos that Tony is watching and stuff in Iron Man 2. Um, mm-hmm. That's the Howard Stark that we're seeing here, and then there's also um, the Howard Stark that was from uh, from Captain America: The Winter Soldier, Captain America: The First Avenger, who is the one who was in Agents of or that was in Agent Carter. So yeah, there were two that they could have chosen. They chose this one. I think that's the right choice because I think the other Howard Stark is um, that's not the one you ever saw Tony interact with. Whenever Tony was looking at Howard yeah. Stark, it was this actor. So no, it made more sense to go with this one. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it, it was Jarvis crossing over was just a neat little thing. Talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, I get this. There's a problem that I have with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and to a lesser extent, the Marvel Netflix shows, which is because the movies trickled down into the shows and because Marvel sold it to us, they said, these were the words, it's all connected. That was the entire idea that everything is part of a single canon and isn't that cool? Look what Marvel can do. And they did mm-hmm. a lot, especially like in the first season of of Daredevil. They talked about the Avengers a lot in that. They talked about mm-hmm. the existence of Thor. They brought up that the Avengers exist. You bring that to Punisher. Punisher doesn't even reference that there are people with superpowers at all in New York. Uh, even though the mm-hmm. Punisher started with Daredevil, um, that second season of Punisher, but you 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 had this sense even when those shows came out that they existed as part of a single universe and they were all connected. So the news just came out from Agents of Shield, and this is I'm reading this right right of, of all people of, of all sources. I'm reading this from the Good Housekeeping website, uh, but this is what oh. they say, and I, I'm just going to read this from here. Um, if you haven't read yet, much of Endgame takes place five years into the future. Given what happened at the season five finale, where um, and I minor spoiler for Agents of Shield, uh, they bring up there's a there's a moment where they go, "Have you seen what's happening in Wakanda?" And they, they bring up Thanos a couple of times in in season five and they go, have you seen what's happening on, on Wakanda? So you get the sense that season five is leading into Infinity War. And then S.H.I.E.L.D. was was delayed by a year and a half so that there was no agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. over the course of the span between Infinity War and Endgame. There was no mm-hmm. agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. there, presumably because 
there was the space in between the movies and you didn't want the show bumping up against the space between those movies. That's a bad move for the show because the show is now a summer replacement. They're doing like six episodes or seven episodes during the summer. It's lost because its they momentum. Didn't, they didn't want to use the, uh, the, they didn't want to tell stories in between those two things. Marvel was like, no, the space between those two movies, you, you can't tell stories in there right now because nobody had seen Endgame mm-hmm. and Endgame was still being worked out. So, um, uh, so that being said, they are saying at the end of season five, Thanos is attacking Wakanda pretty much. Now they're saying, and this is uh, good housekeeping, uh, talking, uh, quoting the, the rap says that Jeff Loeb, the head of Marvel television revealed that season six will likely ignore Thanos's snap because quote, that is just the safest way for us to do things. He continued, we don't ever want to do something in our show, which contradicts what's happening in the movies are the movies are the lead dog. They're setting the timeline for the MCU and what's going on. Our job is to navigate within that world. The only way for us to tell our story is to do them pre snap, whether or not you can figure out how the timeline works. We'll let the time Lords figure out. Um, uh, Jed Whedon, uh, who is the showrunner, um, Followed up by saying uh, that there was a lack of certainty surrounding S.H.I.E.L.D.'s premiere date, and that caused issues with the plot lines. He said, quote, if they moved us up by two months and we based our show on Endgame's storyline, then all of a sudden we'd burn down a huge story point for them. So we had to dodge all that. So essentially, mm-hmm. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to ignore the most significant event in all of, of Marvel. They didn't do that when um, when Hydra was revealed, which was the greatest thing that ever happened to the show. The show got really mm-hmm. good after that. Um but now they are ignoring it, which bums me out because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., part of what what I loved about them is right after Thor the Dark World, they're you know going to where Thor the Dark World happened and, and investigating. What I liked that interconnectivity, but it looks like S.H.I.E.L.D.'s going to ignore it. And in this the is one end of the... Of, yeah. This is one of the dangers that, uh, that comes with a massive universe like this. Um, in that, you know, as... Uh, Jeff Loeb uh, accurately said, he says, there's, there is always an alpha dog and, you know, there are stories that take higher priority. Um, if the people at the top level, and I know I, this actually contradicts something I said before about, uh, you know, doing something that ruins Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because from what you've described, yeah, it kind of, that's a pretty major monkey wrench to throw in the works. Um, on the one hand, it absolutely sucks to have this uh, this story, you know, this television show or something that is your, you know, that to anybody who creates something and works on something that is their, you know, that's your kid. That is your thing. Um, and then to have something that is so completely beyond your control um, be given higher precedence to the degree that it's saying, OK, actually, now this is going to either end or irrevocably change the thing you had. Um, or and the thing you are continuing to make, like it's not like it's not like the show was done and you know was wrapped up and everything, and you were onto new projects. It's like no, this project that you are currently working on, um, we're we're changing it massively because there's this other need in a place that we deem as more important. Um, that sucks. There's no way around that. Um, I mean, the it happens all the time, even over at. Uh, like even over at Disney right now, the you know they're building up for Star Wars, the big release of that. That is super exciting. There are a lot of smaller shows and attractions that are being closed down because they need to reallocate resources. That is a one hundred percent 
you can make a very strong argument that that's a 100% solid business decision. Uh, Star Wars is huge. It's going to be the biggest theme park event since the release of Harry Potter. Um, however, for the people working on those shows and at those smaller attractions, that's, you know, there's, it's hard not to have a little bit of bitterness for it. On the other hand, the fact is, without the concept of a connected Marvel Cinematic Universe, without the massive success of the early Marvel films, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1 would not have even existed. So, on the one hand, it's this thing that is more important, quote-unquote, than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is sort of really painting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. into a corner. And yet, without that important thing, the show itself arguably would not have even gotten started to begin with. So it's a it's a very weird dichotomy to live in. You know, I remember um, when Disney bought Star Wars and they said, OK, the canon of the the only canon that exists is the movies and Clone Wars. And we may pull from the other stuff, but the other stuff is no longer canon. It didn't happen. It's the it's now Star mm-hmm. Wars Legends. Um, because there, there used to be the idea that there were different, like, like, like layers of canon, that the movies were the central canon, and then after the movies came uh, the TV shows, and they were the next level of canon, and then after the TV shows came like the adult books, and then after the adult books mm-hmm. came the young adult books, and then the video games, and then the comic books, and that they that where they could agree. They would agree, but the further down the line you were, you could not disagree with something further up the line, Mm -hmm. but they could choose to disagree with you all they wanted. So if yeah. a movie turned around and, and, and said, well, hey, guess what? That's not how that happened. You know, when, when Django Fett came out, that undid a lot of, of what the canon was. When the Clone Wars had the Mandalorians, that undid a lot of what the canon in the books was. And then, you mm-hmm. know, there was so much confusing canon to what was real and what was not. Um, eventually, Disney said none of that was canon. The problem with that being is that there were a ton of books that did follow that same canon that starts at starts at the Thrawn trilogy, the original Thrawn trilogy, because now Timothy Zahn mm-hmm. has written three more Thrawn books, which are I I, I would say are superior to the originals. Um, uh, but the the there's this whole thing that happened where Luke Skywalker got married and he had kids and he taught a new Jedi Academy and he went really dark for a while and then he went came back from that and there was this whole huge story that that you pointed out to me because when I first met you, the reason I knew we were going to be friends, you know, you know, God help us. I think it was something like 17 or 18 years ago. Um, something like that. Um, I saw you sitting at a table reading a Star Wars book. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you love Star Wars. I love Star Wars. And you were kind of like, yeah, I like Star Wars. But what I really like is the books. And I was like, what? And you said, well, if you think about it. You've spent at that point twelve hours absorbing new Star Wars material in the, that you've watched six movies of it. Maybe you've watched them over and over again, but you've spent twelve hours absorbing new Star Wars material. I've spent weeks and months absorbing new Star Wars material. So yeah. my connection is to the book. So when Star Wars canceled um, the books or said those books weren't canon, I immediately called you as if I had heard a relative died of yours. <laughs> I was like, Arthur, 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 listen, did you hear what Disney did? Are you okay? 
<laughs> and you being you, you were like, yeah, fine. <laughs> I don't have feelings per se. Yeah. Well, no, um, it's the, well, and it, it, um, it, re- it goes back to that different way that you can think about alternate timelines. And, uh, uh, I, <laughs> I'm about to drop the, uh, I'm a, about to drop the mythology word again. It suddenly occurs to me, we really need to come up with a jingle for every time I start referencing superheroes as mythologies, because that's like my go-to thing. Arthur um, sounds like a douchey academic. All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Brown. Um, but it is the, you know, different folk stories. There's, it's like, you know, all the many tales uh, from the old west of Paul Bunyan. Not all of those tales were remotely internally consistent with each other, but that was kind of okay because it was sort of like, hey, this character is a template for story material and we're going to use that template to sort of tell our own stories. And so one person can be like, hey, this is what I'm doing with the template. And the other person is like, hey, this is what I'm doing with it. And even though they can go in wildly different directions, you see they came from the same template. They came from the same source. Uh, in that same way, yeah, extended universe, um, when they, you know, I really enjoyed all the Star Wars extended universe stuff. And then they, you know, when they started going a completely different direction, to me, that was somebody saying, oh, they just took the Star Wars template. They went back to some source material and now they've just started going in a different direction. Um, on the one hand, that didn't bother me because I'd already read all the stories and I really, really enjoyed them. Um, so those stories are in my mind now. I'll still, you know, might go back and reread some of them, understanding that it's just somebody else's, somebody else created a different playground with the same building blocks. Uh, however, I can also understand that, uh, like, I forget the, the author's name who wrote uh, the Mandalorian saga in the extended universe. Um, you know, on the one hand, the quality of that saga, I don't think is damaged by them having done something different with it in the quote-unquote now canon thing. On the other hand, I'm relatively certain that affected sales for her when that happened. Um, So it's, there is, from a purely storytelling perspective, I have no problem with people doing alternate things with, you know, with quote-unquote retconning or anything because it doesn't eliminate the previous stories being told. From a business perspective, though, there is definitely an impact that that there is a there is a cost that needs to be counted. Well, and I think that it's worth noting, you know, we go back to Star Trek um, that it's a double edged sword. One of the things I liked about the Star Trek 2009 movie is that it respected the Star Trek that came before. It did not say we are. You know, we're just rebooting Star Trek. You know, forget all that. This is what Star Trek is now. We're moving forward on this now. This is this mm-hmm. is Star Trek. It said, no, we're part of what happened before. This is part of that storyline. This much like Avengers Endgame. You we we've gone back in time from there, and there's a connection to that world. And in point mm-hmm. of fact, the new Picard show that's coming out. It happens after the destruction of Romulus in Star Trek 2009. That that is, you know, because if you remember the plot of of Star Trek 2009, um, Romulus is destroyed. A Romulan goes back in time 
Um, and then old Spock follows him back in time and they meet up with new Spock and, you know, adventures ensue. Um, Mm -hmm. but one would assume that post destruction of Romulus, that would have an effect on the Star Trek world moving forward too, because Romulus was a big deal. Um, and specifically Mm -hmm. Jean-Luc Picard had a, a significant interest and relationship with the Romulans. Um, over the course of the shows and one of the movies, it was it, it yeah. really important to him. So when they're making the Janu Picard show, a destroyed Romulus is a huge part of that. So there mm-hmm. is connectivity between the two. The problem is that when you insist on that connectivity, you have said that one must necessarily affect the other. And while I love that they're saying, well, the prime timeline just continues and that the Star Trek 09 is a, is a separate timeline. Uh, Alexia and I have argued where she, she takes that tack and I go, well, that's never how Star Trek has worked. Star Trek has always worked. You go back in time, you change an event. There's a single timeline and the single timeline is changed by that. And so that's where you get shows like Yesterday's Enterprise where like one bad thing happens and all of a sudden we're watching the we're watching the changed timeline or Star Trek First Contact happens and you mm-hmm. know they're 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 like oh my gosh the Borg have gone back in time they've changed something and now everything's Borg we have to go back and stop them. There was never like yeah. oh we we have to go back to our timeline. Yeah. We have to make sure that we go back to where we came from. It was like we have to stop that from happening because then everything we know will be gone. And that's always you know, the way I- this that that has worked. I and like that's, the, go ahead. Well, that's and, and that's like that's a double edged sword when you have the massive continuity. We don't need to have a massive Star Trek debate on here. But I do want to say this, mm-hmm. that that the connectivity of Star Trek is something that I have always really loved. There used to be a big book called the um, the History of the Future, which basically took all of the events mentioned or that took place in any of the Star Trek shows and put them in a timeline from like 10,000 BC to 10,000 years in the future. And you got to see the chronology of, of the Star Trek universe from everything that's ever been mentioned. And that's sort of what Marvel was sold to us as. That's what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was sold to us as. To a lesser extent, that's what the Netflix shows were sold to us as. And as those drift away, there's a part of me that goes, hey, hold on. You said... That's what you said was going to happen. And mm-hmm. it what as we get into news what's happening in the future for for Marvel, Marvel is, you know, Disney is starting Disney Plus and they're saying we're doing the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show and a Vision of Scarlet Witch show and a Loki show and these shows are all going to be required watching. These shows are going to have the same impact as the movies. They're going to move the narrative in the way that we've never done before. Isn't this new and cool and different? And they're supporting this going, but we you already did that once. You were supposed to do that and then you're like, "Ah, just kidding." So yeah. is that going to be the case again? Um, or are we just going to have a passing worth, reference to the show? I mean, it's, I don't know. It, it, it I'm kind of saying this is, yeah. I, I feel like there is a general principle in here for storytelling to remember, be, to be remembered, which is when working in a universe, uh, in a shared universe in which uh, you've got multiple creators working within the same, within the same world, um, there is nothing that can wreck connectivity faster than time travel. Like, you know, just that's, that is, that is the, that is the continuity killer. Um, because it's just, you just create too many irreconcilable differences and, you know, and points of contention. 
Um, I feel like the Marvel comics for the longest time, they had the best tack to it was they were just like, nope, there's a multiverse. There are literally millions of different uh, Marvel worlds out there so that we can tell a story in any one of them. That's why the whole Ultimate uh, series came to be was them saying, hey, we want to try to do a reboot of a lot of our favorite superheroes and do sort of, you know, again, working from the same template, but do different takes on them, slightly different twists. But we're not going to do a time travel thing. We're not going to do that. We're just going to say, nope, this is just a completely different storyline. It's in a completely different universe. So the main, so the prime Marvel universe keeps going, and we're going to do this one. And um, and then that even opened up the possibilities of cross-universe uh, storylines, which, yes, got complicated, but also didn't necessarily wreck continuity. Well, and eventually um, that ultimate universe was decimated and very few things survived it uh, miles morales mm-hmm. being one of those things yeah um so but it's not but but yeah and that even though that universe was decimated that universe was not retconned like no that, it happened that universe that universe happened yeah so i guess when you say time travel there's two kinds of time travel um a second one i hadn't considered pre-endgame there's time travel where like you go back in time there's also time travel that says we're now five years into the future and everything oh, has yeah. changed. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So I'm going to get back to multiverse in a second because I think that that's something I'm going to bring up. But I want to ask, like, what I call sandbox responsibility, right? Is that mm-hmm. Endgame... Oh, I like that. It's a good phrase. Endgame... And I, again, I was just listening to the writers. They were just doing things for Endgame. It was clear that they were not thinking about what the effect on the rest of the Marvel Universe was going to be. They were just saying, we're going to make the best endgame that we can make, you know, and and whatever happens next happens next. But this is, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make the best this that we can make. And mm-hmm. from a certain perspective, as a filmmaker, I understand that. That's what you should do as a filmmaker. You go, I am hired to make this film and this is the film I'm going to make. And it has to be the best that it can be and clearly endgame is you know as of right now is you know has made more money than anything ever in the history of you know of the earth uh right now endgame is at uh domestically 644 million dollars uh is worldwide at 2.3 billion dollars um and if i and look it hasn't at- even been a month yeah, and if I look at um if if I look at all time, um it is do 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 domestic, it is number seven all time and it's going and it's only been out for two weeks. It is going to uh surpass Jurassic World and Titanic by the end of the week. Um it's going to surpass Infinity War by the end of next weekend. It is very likely gonna surpass Black Panther by the end of the weekend after. And so it's gonna the question is gonna be whether or not it surpasses Avatar. It won't surpass Star Wars The Force Awakens. Worldwide, um uh worldwide number one is Avatar at two point seven billion dollars, and number two is Avengers Endgame at two point three billion dollars. And it has done it in, you know, a quarter of the, I mean, it's only been two weeks, guys. Like an mm-hmm. end game has made all the money. So making the best movie that you can has made it so that people want to come see it and see it multiple times. When you get this much money, it's not just people seeing it once now. People are walking out mm-hmm. going, I need to see that again. Um, so they've done a good job yeah. in doing that. But the question becomes then, every movie has to deal with that. 
And for instance, yeah. the next movie coming out, and we're, that's the, one of the things I want to talk about a little bit more at length, is Spider-Man Far From Home. And the trailer indicates that it's going to deal with the death of Tony Stark, which I'm fine with. But do I want it? Do we want Spider-Man, the Spider-Man movies to deal with the five-year gap that that has happened post-snap? Because what I loved so much about Homecoming was that it played out like a John Hughes movie. And I just yeah. don't see how can't have a John Hughes movie that deals with, you know, five years where half of the planet has been annihilated. Well, yeah. And that's the thing, right? That's like, like I can deal with the death of Tony Stark. That's a real thing. That's, that's, you know, down to earth and it's a real thing, but I, it's hard for me to deal with like the, that sweet world that we were in is gone. They're, they're like, you don't just mm-hmm. have like, the world would be wrecked. I mean, th- think about it. 9-11 was 18 years ago, and we are still, like, kind of freaked out about it. Yeah. Like, like post-snap, you know, every, like like I said last last podcast, every single human being on Earth will be going through PTSD, right? Yeah. If, if you look at my household, either I disappeared and my kids grew five years without a dad because their dad just disappeared one day and now I'm back with you know with nearly adult children who have PTSD because what happened to me or Mm -hmm. I stayed and my kids disappeared and they came back the same age but I spent five years thinking my kids were gone or maybe my wife was gone I married someone else and now we have to deal with it like the entire world is Mm -hmm. the entire world is, is in chaos after this I was actually I was surprised that they kept the the five year gap that they didn't in the film retcon it because they could have easily yeah um the uh and at the time and you know I, well I'll still agree it was a bold move I'm not certain whether it was the right uh, whether it was uh, the quote unquote right move but it was certainly bold um what you said about sandbox responsibility that's a really God I love that phrase because yeah it is the Russo brothers uh, and the show creators. In that same question about just like, you can't unilaterally declare spoilers are now okay. In the same way, can you unilaterally declare, you know what, we are ending this universe. Because the Marvel Universe, as it existed before Endgame, no longer exists moving forward. Like the, pl- the sandbox is irrevocably changed. You are absolutely right in that. Um, and as I'm thinking about it, and, you know, I loved Endgame. My, my five-star review still stands. But let me ask you, if you had to say, what is, you know, what is the moment, the scene in Endgame that makes it that fantastic thing that you want to see again? Like, what is the, like, what is the part of the film that you say, that's what I want to watch again the most? Um, I've got two. Can I say two? Yeah, give do, two. Do I have to choose one? All right. Um, one is when everybody shows up, when everything has been so horribly desperate and then everybody shows up the moment when they all come through the portals, I'm goosebumps and choking up and I'm clapping and cheering. I've got all the feelings at once um, mm-hmm. from the moment the Falcon says on your left to the moment yeah. where every everybody comes out. Um, 100% agreed is is the first one. But I have to say um, the the catharsis at the end, Tony's funeral um, also again, which everybody's badly green screened in for um i think that the the emotional catharsis that you that you have if you allow yourself to cry you know that sort of end of titanic feeling 
um, mm-hmm. that is also something that I value. Neither now, of which the require thing. the five year gap. Neither of which require the five year gap. Um, because yes, the death of Tony Stark, that impacts the Spider-Man storyline, uh, a little bit, but it's certainly the death of Tony Stark does not wreck the universe like the five year gap does. Um, you could have told a story where, you know, it started off super bleak. Um, you know, you could have told a story that was more along the lines of what we were kind of expecting, which is the, hey, we are fighting to get the Infinity Gauntlet so that we can use the Time Stone to go back to the moment before, um, you know, or maybe it's, hey, it's only been a week, you know, that, you know, it's a it's a two week long, you know, battle to try to, you know, to try to fix things. So but there there's a lot of ways of making that film and telling that story where you still have the superhero the every superhero reveal at the end and you still have the sacrifice um you could keep the final half hour of the film practically unchanged with the exception of tony stark having a daughter um and and the movie is i want to say the movie is better for the five year snap him having a daughter mourning him at the end is better for the five year snap his his stakes are higher if his daughter is at stake all you know, yes, I will say the the movie is that. The, but there's a thing there is that the movie is. I would even say now that I'm thinking about it, um, the movie is better for the five year snap. But how much really? If when I think back to what do I really? What was the moment that I? What was the moment that this film became the film for me? It was that superhero reveal. It was the catharsis at the end, and then realizing so. It was made the five year snap. Yes, kind of made the film better, but you could have still had a profoundly wonderful film without it. And you wouldn't have had everybody else trying to have to now, you know, you wouldn't have basically thrown a monkey wrench into every other Marvel project. Sure. Yeah. This if if this film is 10 percent better for the snap, is it worth making every Marvel film after 10 percent worse? Mm hmm. You know, I mean, and I know Captain Marvel. So let's look at the films that 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 are coming that are coming out next that we know. The first one's going to be Into the Spider Verse. Um, I'm going to talk about that one last because that introduces a new concept I'm going to talk to you about. Um, but Doctor Strange, I don't see that being largely affected by the snap, right? That that mm-hmm. is fine. Um, Black Panther, I also feel like we are not following families or real world that much. We're following Wakanda, which is so fantastical a place. And mm-hmm. they have been sort of the center of all of this. I feel like a second Black Panther also is not decimated by the snap. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a Black Widow film coming. Um, and I feel like a Black Widow film, I still don't know what that's going to be. We can talk about that really quickly. Um, they're saying that, you know, they've come out and said, no, they did not get Black Widow back from by returning the Soul Stone. Um, that it was a real thing. It was a real sacrifice. My question then is, is the Black Widow film going to be a prequel? And if it is, it's going to, it's going to fail. It's going to be the, the least successful of the Marvel movies, because I think at this point, specifically that I don't think anyone wants to go back and get the origin of Natasha at this point. Like, I feel like I don't think anyone wants to go back and see Budapest. I don't think anyone's that curious about that. They want to see. I, Ke- uh, on Ke- the one hand, I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, on the other hand, I can I can see a monkey picking up a dart right now. I know I can, but I can give you a solo reason why that wouldn't work. Um, I just feel like 
we people get the, the sense one that different so- the, the one different thing with that is had um you know solo did not do well would a leia film have done well um the fact is black widow is still a female superhero and we are living in a universe with still a massive imbalance in that you and i might not feel a great need to go back and see you know natasha take the lead in budapest others might See, the thing is, is a Leia film would do well because Leia's story is not done. We know Carrie Fisher's story is done, but Leia's story is not. I think that we, once we get the sense that a story is finished, we're not that curious as to what came before. Um, you know, the, the, I don't want to see Natasha's past unless I'm going to see a ramification on Natasha's future, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like I I it, it seems like it's sort of a so what she's dead now um, and I just sort of I don't know that that would have been the way to go everybody wants her back so you know if there's a way to bring her back then do I mean if it's Black Widow fights her way way out of hell that would be really interesting when we get the Black Widow film this weird you know she fights Mephisto you know like mm-hmm. like that that would be interesting but i just sort of feel like there's you know again monkeys and darts i get it and i and i i half agree with you and if anyone can make it work it's marvel but i would have said that about star wars too i never mm. would have imagined that star wars would make a han solo film that would crash and burn but now that i look back i go oh it makes total sense that it would have crashed and burned and you know mm-hmm. lessons should be learned from that um uh but the snap you know not going to affect that film if i look at to look at the other films that are supposed to come back uh thor 2 i think is less affected by the snap than it is by the um the destruction or thor 4 the the destruction of asgard and the changes happening there um and you know valkyrie being in charge of asgard so that's not affected by the snap so what in the marvel universe you know, Guardians, not really affected by the snap. Um, I would say Ant-Man, enormously affected by the snap. And frankly, I'm going to miss his relationship with Cassie. Um, he is an adult daughter now. He is less of a responsibility, frankly, to a daughter who is, you know, 16, 17, 18 by the time we see another Ant-Man movie. He is less of mm-hmm. a responsibility to that 18-year-old daughter than he did to... A seven, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it yeah. matters less that he gets home so that his daughter's not disappointed in him, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then of course, Spider-Man is, is, is enormously affected. But I think the idea that they're, that these are heroes in the real world is, is concerning. I feel like they have to find a way to bring it back to the real world. And I don't know what they're going to do, except let's talk briefly about the new Spider-Man trailer, which let's just put it right on front street has the word multiverse in it. The word multiverse is spoken in the new Spider-Man trailer. Um, the trailers come out. Uh, Peter is really upset by the, by the death of Tony Stark dealing with that loss as is happy Hogan. Always fun to see John Favreau who created the Marvel universe, ladies and gentlemen, continuing to play in the Marvel universe. Like, mm-hmm. let's not forget Happy Hogan is the director of the first the first two Iron Man movies and is a producer on all these films. Um, so you have like the the story of Mysterio, and we don't we don't know if he's you know in the, in the comics he's kind of a bad guy and he lies a lot. Um, but he says he's from another Earth, and and Peter says the multiverse is real. And then today, um, the official Twitter feed for Spider Man Into the Spider Verse just put out a tweet 
uh, that showed a picture of Spider-Man looking into the the Worbly thing saying, see you in another dimension. What do you think? Um, Still haven't seen the trailer, uh, but that would scan because that means that uh, Into the Spider-Verse was part of the Spider-Man unit, was part of the MCU and connected. So what what he says in the trailer specifically is is he goes uh nick fury says to peter says he's from our earth he's he's from earth just not our earth so Mm -hmm. is there a world where they do you think this is going to set up a multiverse that allows spider-man to continue to exist in it like i don't know like is there is there a possibility is there a responsibility that the new spider-man movie has to repair the world after endgame i don't think they uh I don't see how the creation of a multiverse necessarily repairs the five-year snap because that that universe still exists, you know, unless you're, it's, you know, that's a storyline that is ongoing. Now you can have branching storylines from here, but unless you're basically going to say, okay, we're going to take every hero that you've known and love and we're actually going to pull them out of that dark universe, post that post-five-year snap universe, and just put them in other universes, that's not going to work either. I don't yeah, necessarily I, the, the so the the addition of a multiverse I do not see as a bad thing. I do not think it quote unquote fixes the 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 current universe. Do you think so? What do you do? I mean, so so the the big question is, what do you do if you have a, a multiverse, and how multi do you get? Do you go? You know, does Marvel for the next few years go the way of DC, where DC has has rejected the Justice League idea and said, you know what, we're just going to do standalone films for a while is that what they do is they go you know there's this big event and they reference the big event but we're not going to see these these crossovers you know very much anymore um and we're going to possibly pull people into different universes. we're going to crack the universe and then maybe bring them together in six years in like a secret wars or something i mean, wait what is what do you do with the multiverse now or do you say hey there's another universe where there's a fantastic four and an x-men and there's a you know, we start doing those movies, but they're in a separate universe. And then eventually that universe will collide with the Marvel. Well, keep like in how- mind that the very thing, the, the very thing that has made superhero films successful in these past 15 years um, is that there's a bunch of different kinds of superhero films. Iron Man is not remotely the same kind of movie as Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you know, so you're going to have films that deal with huge metagalactic concepts like a freaking multiverse. Um, and then you're going to have films like Ant-Man, which are superhero heist films. Um, I don't see that necessarily changing. Um, it's not like they're saying, okay, now every, you know, in the same way that the addition of the multiverse into Marvel comics didn't change the fact that, you know, the majority of the Daredevil comics still take place in Hell's Kitchen with him dealing with Hell's Kitchen level problems. Yeah, I I see that. I, I, I see that. I, I think that. Again, this is a grand experiment and, and you know, and Kevin Feige we trust, right? He has done he's done this very well so far and he's guided this really well and I have to assume that he has a plan. And I have to assume that he is enough of a fan and is surrounded by enough good people because he's made good decisions up till now that that he is going to um he he is going he's thinking these same things that we're thinking he's like okay we're going to introduce the multiverse and it's going to be a hard concept for everyone to understand and we need to somehow use it in such a way that there isn't a lesser canon or there isn't a lesser universe um you, you know we don't want to have okay we're going to say that the 
galactic stuff's in one universe, but Peter's in another, and then we're going to introduce X-Men in another, but people don't feel like they need to see the X-Men films because they're not really part of it. I mean, frankly, let me ask you this question. As good as Captain Marvel was, and you and I said that it wasn't that great, and despite the fact that Captain Marvel is Marvel's first film with a female character, do you think Captain Marvel does the business it does if we're not curious about its connection to Infinity War and Endgame and that it takes place before between the two movies um, in terms of its release schedule and we are assuming Captain Marvel is the big deal that's going to influence Endgame which is what we all thought she was going to be and frankly she's more I of a cameo. Think you are, I think you are taking your love of connectivity and the big picture and putting that on everybody who watches these films. I just, I mean, I literally, I got my hair cut yesterday and my hairdresser um, was anything but a superhero fan. But she was talking about how she loved Black Panther and all these things like that. The There is, we need to remember that in order for something to truly be mainstream, um, there needs to be a place for quote unquote smaller impact stories. Um, so yeah, I don't see, the ca- Captain Marvel could be a standalone thing that has no effect whatsoever on Infinity War and Endgame. And I can, you know, with the monkey dart proviso, guarantee you that it's going to make serious bank. Okay. I don't know. I I feel like I feel like it was poised at the right time to do to do super well, um, which it I, should and, 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 like and, and it as a cultural milestone in that it is Marvel's first female led superhero film in the MCU which is that's the milestone that it is let's be clear it's not even marvel's first female led superhero film their electra was marvel's first female led superhero film um it's the first one in the MCU so its presence in the MCU is what's is is what matters so much about it so if you felt like it was not part of the MCU would people care as much is my sort of my question um, um, I think it's, it's not so like the reason why it's being part of the MCU was a big deal was not because it was, oh, it's part of this big connectivity thing. I mean, the fact is superhero, fi- when Electra came out, superhero films were not this big thing. Um, the MCU is like the dawn of the MCU is not just the dawn of a connected universe. It is the dawn of. Oh, the superhero film that's coming out is the film that we want to go see. Um, it was the idea of a superhero film now being the like this is the film of the year to see frequently. Um, so seeing a female led film at that level, uh, that's what truly changes it. It wasn't because, oh, it's so nice to have a it's so nice to have a female led film that happens to connect to all these other things. Like, I don't feel like that was the crucial aspect of it. Okay. Well, I mean, it's 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 going to be interesting to see going forward if they try and create a multiverse. Is there going to be less of a sense that all of them matter? Because I have a feeling that the smaller films, people are are drawn to them because they see it as a cinematic universe, as one universe. If you break it up just into from a multiverse, my experience, well, then the question though is just like the well, if you look at you know what's happened with the comics, um, yeah, there have been more multiverse-led things, but the that hasn't necessarily negatively impacted the smaller storylines. Um, well, I mean, com- know, comics readership is, is dipping a lot. Um, and so I would wonder if part of that is like the, one of the reasons I never got back in is because I felt like it was all convoluted and it would be, di- I don't know what a good jumping on point would be. Um, well, that's, I mean, just, that's it actually might, an I guess, let me, let me, let me, 
let me clarify my, my thing. I am nervous that by creating a multiverse and saying it's all one big Marvel Cinematic Universe, but there are m- multiple universes within it, that you will eventually have a universe that people see as lesser. And for instance, if you say that's the universe that has X-Men in it, that there's, you know, there's this world where the X-Men have always existed and it doesn't seem to jibe with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like you can go, well, I'm not that interested in seeing the X-Men films because it's not as they're not connected to this. Um, although it might be the only way for X-Men films to exist. Right. I mean, at this point, there's I don't see a, a, a place in the Marvel Universe to say, yes, mutants have always been around. And there are these, you know, 25 year old, 35 year old, 60 year old mutants walking around in the world after Avengers and the snap. I mean, right now I feel like if mutants appeared, I feel like th- they'd go, huh, that's weird. <laughs> Just feel like, My only thought like, on it is myths, yeah, myths, folk tales, and fairy tales have never existed in a single universe. Um, and at the end of the day, I think one of the things that appeals to people when you say to the, not necessarily to, you know, people who have spent so much time living in the universe as you and I, but to basically, when you say it to an average person, um, the things that draw them to a superhero film are not the, the intricacies of the connectivity. They're going to it for the big archetypical concepts and any storytelling medium that has dealt with those archetypical concepts by design have always had divergent storylines happen. It's like I say, it's the Paul Bunyan effect. Um, you know, people will still go back to hear one more story. I mean, shoot, Logan, uh, arguably in its own set, Logan is not really part of the rest of the X-Men universe. Well, Logan the X-Men universe is, doesn't make any sense at all. Well, but, but, I mean, but that doesn't change the fact that I loved Logan. I loved X-Men first class and those films did fairly well. Like I didn't need, like I went in understanding, oh, this Logan, you know, I went in understanding Logan is a standalone take. It is taking the Wolverine concept and going somewhere different with it. And I loved it. I didn't need, I would have hated for them to have tried to find a way to somehow link it to the other universe because tonally it was a totally different film. Tonally, yeah, it took and yet place it was totally linked to universe. the other universe. I mean, it was it had Hugh Jackman as Logan and Patrick Stewart as as Professor Xavier. Like, it yeah, was, but it was also kind of, but it was also understood. Like when you watch X Men First Class, um, or when you watch uh, X Men Days of Future Past. Now, when I go back and watch it, I am not thinking, "Oh, Logan is this universe's future." Like that universe where, uh, where you know, genetics in our food has removed the mutant gene. I saw that as a thing of, oh, that was that was something that was developed for this film, and it's not going to have a major impact on what they do with X-Men films in the future. I, I would say that there there is a contingent of people, and I might be one of them, that have checked out from the X-Men specifically because it seems like they don't pay attention to their own canon. Um, but again, you and I have always had this. I mean, this is a, a nearly 20-year-old argument between you and I about the mm-hmm. nature of canon. So um, yeah. it's not one that we're going to solve today. Okay, so no. jumping ship from from this, that is uh, that is our discussion on the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, we will be returning to it, uh, to, to movie reviews on our next show. But before we go, um, let's talk a little bit about spoilers. Um, yeah. You said at the beginning of the podcast that it comes down to etiquette. And I am going to disagree with you because okay. I think that we are at a point where our devotion to these to these stories is not just nominal 
and our investment in them is not just nominal. I remember discussing with you at length before the last Harry Potter book came out, what was going to happen to Snape? Was Snape good or bad? Um, mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah, we should put in right now. Also, Harry Potter spoilers, Star Wars spoilers, Game of Thrones spoilers. Like yeah. pretty much, we're, we can't talk about spoilers without talking about the big spoilable moments in a lot of geek canon. Yeah. Um, so uh, sorry, um, but the and Game of Thrones spoilers. By the way, only up to the most recent two episodes of Game of Thrones as of this recording. Um, right. Um, I, in fact, I don't even think we need to super spoil Game of Thrones uh, to say yeah, that no, but it, things but things like, happen. Possibilities there. Things happened in uh, in the not the last Game of Thrones episode, but specifically the one before. Um, there was well, a massive battle, me, and and characters died. And I won't say who. Yeah. Did. The, the the interesting thing about Game of Thrones for me, the, the why it's why I feel it's applicable to this discussion is because you had. And I don't know if this has ever happened before. You had two major story events. You had Endgame and you had Game of Thrones come out at the same time. So for the first time, we were actually to see side by side how fans of one reacted um, in ways that were different to fans of the other. Now, I will say for and, and granted, this is just my own experience, my own perspective um, for Endgame, like Everyone has done a really good job of keeping the lid on things way better than they did with Infinity War. Um, Like there is a lot of there's been a lot of respect given to no, I really don't want to spoil something. I don't want to even say something that might be considered a spoiler. Um, And that's actually another thing we need to talk about is, okay, quote unquote, what is the definition of a spoiler? Um, But man, within literally an hour of Game of Thrones coming out. Um, the boards had lit up with people. Oh my God, this character, they're my person. Like, and it's just, you know, all these things. And there was not nearly the same level of consideration. Now I had a friend who said, well, yeah, that's because it came out. Like that's because it's a television event, you know, that where it came out at the same time for everybody. So, you know, so therefore, of course, we all want to talk about like the watching it together and then talking about it afterward as part of the shared experience. And the only thing that shoots a massive hole in that argument is that the majority of people who watch Game of Thrones stream it later. So it's not a it's not like finding out who shot J.R. in Dallas, where literally anybody is everybody is watching it at the exact same time. Um, even in our television, that doesn't apply anymore. Well, um, and I know that there, like, if, again, if you look at the box office for Endgame, that's also happening there. People are going to see it still and some of those people are seeing it for the first time mm-hmm. um i guess the thing the reason i think it's not etiquette is that this is not a oh that was rude you know i mean this is not a this is not a oh you know that is a that, that is an impolite thing that you did this is a a you know i have been emotionally waiting for what's going to happen here and you have removed my ability to fully appreciate and enjoy that emotional that that mm-hmm. you got and that I've been looking forward to and I now have significant disappointment um because of what you did. Um this is, you know, there 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 are people who'd rather get in a minor car accident than have endgame spoiled for them. So mm-hmm. so it's not just a matter of of, you know, you know et- etiquette is et- a failure of etiquette is my my family members on the west coast um who do a group text of 20 people and and 
and keep sending messages no matter what the, the time is day or night. So it wakes me up a little bit and I need to turn off my phone. That's that's bad etiquette. Um, mm-hmm. This seems to go beyond that. This seems this seems, you know, somewhere between that and cheating on your spouse. You know, that's like this yeah. is I'll, this is a, I, will, I will grant you that it is it is a it is a bigger deal than a lot of the things that we normally think of. The, the reason why I was thinking of etiquette was because it is etiquette is a frequently it becomes they, they are sort of collectively agreed upon rules that it's not, you know, one nobody specifically said, hey, I am the gatekeeper for this is an appropriate way to text and this is an unappropriate way to text. These are rules that sort of organically evolve as a society. And part of that evolution is people disagreeing about what is okay and what is not. Um, and so that's that's really where we are right now is there there is no collective agreement as to uh, when spoiling is okay or when it's okay to talk about things. There's no collective agreement as to what a spoiler even is. I mean, well, on the at the most extreme end, saying, hey, this major event that happened, um, you know, you know, announcing this character specifically died. That is a spoiler. You know, Luke being Vader's father. You know, if you said, oh, my gosh, I can't. Or, sorry, Vader being Luke's father. That would have been interesting. <laughs> um, if you had said if you had gone on the you know, if you had gone on the social media boards in 1981 and said, I can't believe that Vader is Luke's father two hours after seeing the film. Yes. Across the board, um, across the board, everyone would have been like, how dare you? That is an absolute douchebag move. There was a story the of a dude is, who walked into. There's a story of a dude who walked into an Avengers Endgame um, showing and yelled mm-hmm. out spoilers before the movie started, and they sent him to the hospital. And even as a pacifist, I'm kind of like, yep, uh, yep, <laughs> yep, got, yep, yep, got what you got you deserved. Yep. You get, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what did you think was going to happen here? Um, now that being said, let's take the the Vader and. Luke's father thing, if you had gone on the message boards after Empire and not said, I can't believe Vader is Luke's father, but said, oh my gosh, I loved that movie. And that twist at the end blew my mind. Is that a spoiler? Because you've revealed nothing about the events that have occurred, but I can guarantee you that if I saw that and was watching the film the entire time, I'm waiting for the twist to happen. If someone says, oh, go see this movie, you are going to cry so much at the end, then I'm like, it's sort of, you haven't given me anything about the storyline, but you have had an emotional, but but the fact that I have heard what you have said has emotionally changed my experience of the film. Um, And that is the gray area in which some people are saying, oh no, that's not a spoiler. That's totally fine. And, you know, whereas for me, I am the person who will go to a movie theater when it, like I will try to go to a movie when there is literally no one else in the theater. I get so picky in particular about how I want to enjoy my stories. Um, you know, now I'll grant I'm kind of extreme in that point. But, you know, you can see for me, somebody giving me the slightest amount of information, even about the emotional impact of a film to me kind of spoils the experience. You know, I. <sighs> Yes, I I agree with I agree with what you're saying. 
like like I agree with what you're saying. Although for me, I love the communal experience of of being in the theater with with a group of people. Mm-hmm. I feel like that. That oh yeah, and is, I'm not is, remotely is saying that my perspective is the correct. I'm not even saying my perspective on this is the correct perspective. It's just sort of the. This is you know we've got all these different people who all have legitimate. Uh, there's there's plenty of really great reasons why someone would want to enjoy. Um, to enjoy seeing a theater, seeing a movie with a bunch of people. And there's also plenty of people who would have no problem with knowing, oh, it's sad at the end. Um, um, yeah, I think knowing that it's, I mean, I again, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe they just want it to wash over them. I think it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's important to note uh, intent matters, you know, making, making an effort not to spoil matters. But I can tell you um, that I had no interest in seeing Fight Club. Like spoilers for Fight Club, just so you know. Uh, I had no interest in seeing Fight Club. It's a, it's a movie where about guys who get together in a club and fight each other. And that's what, what it was called. That's what the trailers told me. I had zero interest in seeing that movie. That's just not a movie for me. And someone said, mm-hmm. dude, you have to see Fight Club. And I was like, it's a movie about guys who decide. No, they're, they're like, no, 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 no. Trust me. It's like The Sixth Sense. You have to see it. Mm-hmm. You've seen Fight Club, I assume, right? I have. Yes. Yeah. So spoilers for the Fight Club. There is a sixth sense, an ending at the end of, of Fight Club that's there almost is an as absolute big. Shyamalan twist. Um, and I figured it out twenty minutes into the film because that a hole told me that there was a sixth sense ending. Now I would not have gone to see the movie if not for the sixth sense, knowing that there was a sixth sense ending. Except that now that I was seeing the movie, I was really mad that I figured it out halfway through the film. Before the film wanted me to yeah. figure it out because I was looking for it. And part of the way that that ends is you go, the, the reason it's a six sense ending is because you don't know it's coming. So when it comes, it surprise you. But if you're looking for it, it's there. Then you totally um, see it. Yeah. Um, and, well, and, and that's the so, thing, though, is now if, say, if you had been watching, if you said, I don't want to see Fight Club because it's just about guys fighting. And if I had said, Justin, you really should see it. It is about so much more than that. Like there would have been ways to convince you to see it. That didn't necessarily give away crucial aspects of the plot or even its uh, or even its emotional tone. Um, I mean, that's the question, right? I mean, that's that's, mm-hmm. you know, coming back to Endgame, like it, knowing that it's sad is part of the reason you want to go see it. Like what happened? You know, that's that's, yeah. you know, and, and if you were paying attention at all, you knew that that both Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans were kind of done. Mm-hmm. And so, like, seeing how that played out, you know, having the end of Titanic spoiled, it did not ruin Titanic for me, a movie which I <laughs> yeah. love, by the way. Um, yeah. It was in the it was in the experience of of watching it happen and what exactly would happen. Um, but I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Knowing that the boat sinks is kind of a that was sort of a prerequisite for why we wanted to go see the film in the first place. Um, but I do think there's a world where, you know, especially with this movie, the anticipation was who's going to die, who's not going to die, who's going to make it. And I think that, that when you go to this and you go to game of Thrones, especially game of Thrones, game of Thrones has become, there's a a lot of criticism against game of Thrones that after it jumped completely off of the books, that it has become spoiler porn, that it's become like, like what's going to happen now. And Mm -hmm. now this happened. Like, it's like sort of, and I think that the most recent episode is the, is the, most egregious example of that where it's just like here's a thing that's happened here's your water cooler moment mm-hmm. um um so i i totally get that i i, I totally 
get not spoiling that as being an important thing. And and I think that that there is a world where if that's what your primary value is in the movie is 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 watching the thing unfold. You're you've been curious what's going to happen. You know that. There are two kinds of spoilers, right? There's there's spoiler for Harry Potter, spoiler for Harry Potter. There's the Dumbledore dies spoiler. If you don't mm-hmm. know that's coming, that's an enormous impact. If you know it's coming, mm-hmm. the impact is significantly lessened. But because the death of of Dumbledore is a shock, and if you can't, you I can't had be someone sh- specifically, I had someone specifically, uh, um, spoiled, well, shoot the uh, the old uh, the shock jocks, Opie and Anthony. Uh, the day before the book came out, uh, their radio show, every 10 minutes, they just, you know, they would just be talking about like, yeah, then we're going to have this musician come in and Snape kills Dumbledore. And then and they would just keep going like that. So I'm just listening. And uh, and that was the day I stopped listening to them uh, because, yeah, it it didn't completely ruin the my experience of the sixth book. But it it sure as hell lessened my enjoyment of it. Yeah. And I think that's that. So there's that kind of spoiler. Then there's the I'm anticipating that something big is going to happen. How is it going to play out? And you, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like that's a yeah, that, that's that's sort of the that's sort of the end game uh, spoilers. You know that the movie's going to end with some kind of big, scary thing happening. Or, or mm-hmm. like you, you know, it's going to end in that way. It's not. There isn't a shock at the end. There's a, you know, when you keep going. Oh no, 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 no. Every time Tony's in danger, like no, 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 please, no, no, wait, 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 hold on, no, 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 no. Like it's it's that you're not mm-hmm. shocked when it happens. You've been gravely anticipating this moment, and the anticipation not, is but, actually arguably part of the experience. I would actually say the larger spoiler is that Cap lives. That's the yeah, larger spoiler. Entirely possible because. Yeah you expect to cap to die and instead cap doesn't, he makes it. And that is, you know, more expected. Um, then I think you have, then I think you have, um, the, the spoilers like game of Thrones, which is like, like we are giving you the shock spoilers, but we're giving it to you a lot. And the fun of it is the fun of watching game of Thrones is what's going to happen now. What's, Oh no, here comes another one. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's like watching game of Thrones is like a magic trick. Like it's just showing you a bunch of magic tricks. And if you tell us how the magic trick happens before it happens, then the enjoyment of that is gone. Um, Mm, Nice. And I think that we as a society, so what I've seen on Facebook, it's interesting. There's been this backlash against not spoiling movies. That was weird. Have you seen this? Uh, You mean in terms of a backlash against people who are just like, no, I'm going to spoil them. How dare you? Yeah. People people who are like, look, man. Go see it when it comes out. And if you don't see when it comes out, stay off social media because you know, you can't tell us what to say and what not to say. It is, it is, at, you know, and here's the thing. And, and, and hear me when I say this, because I am not in any way equating the, you know, the impact, the stakes or the, um, or the, uh, the importance of the two. I'm not saying this in any way. But I have seen, but the defensive, how dare you reaction that I have seen some people say to, you know, I saw on Facebook, somebody posted this thing about Game of Thrones and it was absolutely the, oh, this person I'm going to, you know, I'm going to name my kid after this person. Um, It's not a spoiler, but this person, oh my goodness, which to me is no, that's not, 
that's not like an epic. That is not a Snape kills Dumbledore spoiler. Um, that does tell me, wow, this person's going to be a a pretty major factor in this uh, in this next episode, which does kind of give away the surprise. Um, and somebody commented on that and said, oh, that's that's a little spoilery. Um, and the the level of defensive reaction to it, I saw it and I was like, this is the exact same kind of like to the, they were saying like how dare you i never spoil for my friends um you know i you know i care too much about this sort of thing it's the exact same reaction if somebody said hey that post that you made might have a racial or a sexist component to it like it's not i'm not coming out and calling you a racist or a sexist but you know you, there might be it's you know one of those halfway things and just the immediate lockdown and I, I call it the how dare you response. Um, I've seen that all over the place in regards to spoilers. That's exactly the backlash that you've been talking about. Yeah. I, and well, and the other backlash is that I'm going to do what I want. You know, I've seen yeah. that. I've seen that as well. Um, I think that the problem is, is that, you know, we have, be, we fetishize spoilers to the point where every, like we pointed out, you know, Bruce Willis or, or, you know, Darth Vader or as, as these major spoilers, but now we're in a world where, you know, everything has a spoiler to it. You know, whatever show mm-hmm. you're watching, major spoilers, don't spoil this one. Like, it seems like it gets to the point where, where if everything is a spoiler, nothing is a spoiler. Um, yes. And, and, you know, it's like the people who post that they've never seen game of Thrones. Like they, like I, I've seen this backlash too, where people, you know, it started with, I can't, I love game of Thrones. It's amazing. Then you've got the post was, well, I've never seen an episode of game of Thrones. And now you have the post going, Oh, game of Thrones is coming back time for the shit. Oh, sorry. The crappy, uh, the, the crappy post where people go, I've never seen it. Like it's, there's backlash and there's, there's, there's backlash against backlash. And I think that, you know, if we lived in a world where people just, you know, I think that, you know, the, 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 the two major tenets of Christianity are love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second mm-hmm. is like the first, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Or love, love your neighbor yeah, as yourself. Love, you, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So, and so, even at the, so, so, the, so ahead. if you boil those two down, if you boil those two down, the first tenant is, the first tenant is love God. Um, if you choose not to be a God follower, then that one is not required of you, you know, or, or maybe it is required of you, but you've chosen not to do it. Um, but, but in either way, like that's, that's not like that, that one is not necessary to you if you're not going to be a religious person. But the second one is, and you know, everyone knows that I, I am a, I am a person who believes. Um, but the second one kind of boils down to don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> <that's> kind <laughs> of the second one. Don't be a dick. It's well, at the, at the end of the day, like talking about talking about etiquette and manners and, you know, we have all of these rule books for <laughs> there's actually a lot of uh, there's a lot of overlap between religious dogma and etiquette in the sense that you can have all of these rules and all of these things. But at the end of the day, what it boils down to is what are ways that I can be considerate of other people, period. That's the basis. Um, and and the things and I can I can get the people who backlash against um, the spoilers thing, because if you um, 
okay, to say like uh, the concept of trigger warnings, which is, you know, which is a term, I think a very useful term that has developed in the past 10 years. Um, you know, when it started, it was like, hey, trigger warning. This story involves a scene of like, you know, of either tremendous brutality um, or some aspect of like sexual assault or something. So just be aware that scene, you know, like that is that is a legitimate major thing where if you weren't prepared for it, that could have a a serious emotional impact on you. Um, But I think most of the people who rebelled against the concept of trigger warnings, they weren't rebelling against that. They were rebelling against, um, you know, the much more minor thing of saying, you know, of having a story, say, in which there was like any death at all or, you know, or some like something incredibly minor. And then people not just saying, hey, you that could have had a trigger warning, but people saying in a very angry tone, you absolutely should have put a trigger warning there. You are a terrible person. Um, When you put it that way, how can you not expect people to get their hackles up? Um, So that is, you know, moving forward with spoilers too. It's about, um, you know, if we were to try to learn from that in terms of how do we, you know, advance the concept of everyone not spoiling things for each other is it's the, we need to be able to, when somebody says, hey, that might have been a little spoily, we need to be able to hear that without immediately getting defensive. But at the same time, if we're telling somebody else, hey, that was a little bit spoily, we want to make sure that we don't say, hey, I think you're a hateful person uh, by my tone because you posted something that unintentionally spoiled this for me. Um, yeah, both and of I those think things, that's... At the, I, both of I those think... things boil down to be considerate of other people. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, if there's a takeaway from this, it's that that we have a responsibility as people to other people um, to care about what their experience in life might be. So if you are going to, you know, somebody told me the other day that they they were, you know, watching pornography and that they came across some intense like bondage porn that had the Mm -hmm. words trigger warning in front of it, which I thought was really interesting. You know, that I almost wanted to look it up. Fascinating. I almost wanted to look it up wow. because you know, not you know, not my thing. But but I almost wanted to look it up because I was like, hey, that's that's a like that's really interesting. That's um, oh man, that is that's. Is, is it wrong that I'm delighted by just the sheer perversity of that fact? I'm like, gosh, that is like makes me start thinking about the you know, okay, what was the thought process that went into it and like that? Like that's fascinating. I love it. Yeah. Like, Sorry, like, go yeah on. But, like, like there's a, there's, I think the world would be a, a more interesting place. And I think, I wish I could say, I feel like the world is going this direction. I don't. Um, I felt it a while back. And I think that if I were to examine the world, if you can, if, if you will indulge me, we're almost at the end. This is a long show. Um, mm-hmm. But if you'll indulge me for a moment, I think that there was a time about six years ago where people did get really conscientious. I think people really did. Mm-hmm. Like people were, were they thought about things like like how are people feeling? How are you know the idea it used to be to say the idea that someone was a precious snowflake was a compliment. It's what you said to kids, like you said that you mm. said you know what all snowflakes are different and all snowflakes are different and everyone has value. So that's where that comes from. 
like the now you go hey snowflakes it didn't mean that you were fragile it meant that all snowflakes there's no two snowflakes that are like and yours matters the idea of giving a trophy to everyone like i was one of those kids who got the participation trophy because guess what i was not the best swimmer i was never going to be the best swimmer but i had those trophies i put those trophies up in my room I was like, I did a thing. I did, I did a yeah. year of swim team and I got a trophy for it. Like that's, it's, it's not bad. I stuck through it and I, and I made it to the end and I went to all the practice. I went to all the means and yeah, the trophies, the participation trophies were smaller than the bigger trophies, but you, but it, you was, know, but it was a tangible thing that honored the fact, Hey, you put effort into this. Yeah. Um, but then it became, you know, everybody gets a trophy became a symbol like, a symbol for weakness suddenly calling somebody a snowflake became uh you know became an insult you threw at someone to go to go oh you think you're so precious you know the idea that being mm-hmm. you, that everyone is special you know started going away um and and you started to have this backlash against the idea that that the people who are not the best at something should have their feelings looked after um, I think and I that, feel like I feel like we as a nation went the other way, and I've wondered for a long time um, how how did we go so far to the other end where it's now okay to mock people? It's okay, and 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 I don't intend for this to be a p- political discussion. No, I think um, you're completely um, right in that. I think what we, happened. I think what happened was ahead. we went from caring about each other's feelings to accusing people who didn't care enough about each other's feelings. You know, we went from, you know, we we went from, you know, going, hey, you know what? If your son or daughter comes out as as gay, don't tell them that you that you hate them and you reject them. You you do your best to accept them. We went from that to any discomfort of any kind with with being around someone who's orientation is so vastly different than what you understand if you if you say he to someone who is a she not in a in a in a way that you mean to be mean but because you're not sure what you should say um you know if you if like it it became it became that it became you're bad it didn't become hey let's do our best for people it became well you're 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 you know there there's a there's a term i see you know that is almost derogatory, um, and I don't even know how to pronounce it. But the, it spells cis, cis, or I, it, it essentially is is your your tradition, your traditional, your traditional mono, monogamous heterosexual relationship. Um, uh, cis, that, yeah, I think it, it's mostly it's it's predominantly for for gender base. If you yeah. if you have the same, and again, I'm not I'm not super up on the terms right now, but my understanding of cis is it is um, at least initially it was. Essentially, if you have, if you still identify with the gender that you had at birth or that you were assigned at birth, um, cis essentially means not trans in any way. Um, but you are right in that it has, at least to me, like when I see it said sometimes, it it has a negative tone. Um, whether or not, you know, and there's some people who use it in a completely non-negative way, but sometimes it is it's something that used to be just a descriptive of something quote unquote traditional that has now developed a little bit of a negative edge to it. Yeah. It's so it's sort of going, 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 well, you, you don't get it. You know, that's what, that's the idea they're throwing out there. You don't get it. You're behind mm-hmm. now. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not a, it's not enough that you're good to your pets. 
if you if you buy a dog instead of a rescue, you're a jerk. It's not enough that you that you make sure that you only eat organic chicken. If you are not vegan and making sure that animals are never harmed, then you are you are an animal murderer. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think what happened is that people started it started becoming those people eventually sat up and said, we're we're tired of that. And then they went the completely other way. They swung the pendulum so far to the other end that it is now unfashionable among a, a, a group of people to care about other people's feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I completely agree with your, your analysis of it. Um, I feel like this is also to a certain extent, this is kind of how progress happens over the long, uh, over the long run. It is the idea of the pendulum is way too far. Well, pendulum's not the right thing. You know, the world is horribly out of balance in one direction. And so we're going to try to push it back into balance. But inevitably, you push it too far into the other area, which then causes other people to really say, no, we got to push it back the other way. The, over time, we get a little bit closer. Um, you know, I, obviously, there's no, I, obviously, there's no perfect ideal of how the world should be. But you know, allowing for that, um, the swing, the overall swing of the pendulum, I feel, comes a little bit closer to center every time. Uh, like the whole, you know, back in the the nineties, I would have agreed saw, with you. I, I would have agreed with well, you to a but, point. But here, no, let me finish on this. Like the right. here's the thing: back in the nineties, we saw the um, we saw the rise of political correctness, and then saw the absolute backlash against political correctness. Uh, you know, to the extent of even having politically correct fairy tales and everything that was just straight up mocking it. Um, but a lot of the core concepts from that still, you know, they still stick around to this day. The The backlash over the extremities of political correctness, uh, both the extremities and the backlash against it are gone. But some of the core concept of at least the movement in the 90s are still there and fairly solidly locked in. Now, I agree with you that where we are right now is a far more intense place, at least in this country, than we have necessarily ever experienced before. Um, but, and maybe this is just my sense as an optimist, is it's just like the pendulum always swings back. It just takes longer sometimes. I hope that that's true. I hope that we're not in uncharted territory. I fear that we are. Um I want there to be a world where, because it all comes down to, it all comes down to whether we're talking about spoilers, we're talking about, you know, where the conversation has gone. It all comes down to this idea that, you know, you know, if there's a, if there's a transgendered person or, you know, a person of a different race or a, you know, or, or, or frankly, you know, I'm going to put this out for, if you are a Christian, you know, don't go out there thumping your Bible and being a jerk. Right. But likewise, you know, every holiday that comes up now, you know, Easter just came and went and I saw so many of my friends, people that I know and, and respect and love uh, going, ah, happy zombie Jesus day. You know, you know oh, time to t- time to time to get your Easter time to get your Easter eggs ready for the invisible man of the sky. I was like, you know what? Like that. This is something that matters to people. This is something that like that, that people care about. Why are why are you trying to take that away from them? Um, I would say every and, and back, I think it comes with- it, it, it comes down to it comes down to that one tenet that we all need to do, which is don't be a dick. 
Like, don't be like, like if somebody is out there and they're living their life and they are not hurting you, then don't, don't be a dick. If they want to see things, if you know that you have information that could spoil stuff, like take the extra 10 seconds to to make it so that you might not ruin someone's day. If you accidentally, you know, if, if you are accidentally called by the wrong, by the wrong pronoun, um, gently let someone know like, hey, this is what I'd prefer. And if someone gently lets you know that that's what they prefer, don't get mad to the point where you are where you're like i don't like to be corrected like it's if we all just were like hey other people are people with the feelings that we have like like that person that atheist that christian that that trans person that you know that poor person that rich person that that like even down to to politicians and celebrities if we were just able to go hey they're all people and we all have like the same like feelings inside then maybe they like they and their feelings are as valid as mine then we could all kind of stop going down the road that I feel that we're on that concerns me so much. Just like, I, like so do your best to not be a dick to everyone that you can. I agree and with if, you. I agree with you totally on that. And I think a certain thing that we we often overlook that that actually helps us in that because, you know, um, with very limited exception, all of us are just trying to be good people as best we can. Um, one of the things that helps us with this, and I'll take it back to, uh, I'll bring it back to a, to a geek related thing that, like you said, the, you know, nowadays, if you, you know, if you said, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to see Game of Thrones and somebody else is just like, oh, I never watch Game of Thrones. Um, when that person has said that to you, they are essentially kind of denigrating you for watching Game of Thrones. However, I can virtually guarantee you that the reason that person is saying that to you is because at some point, some other person who watches Game of Thrones made them feel less than because they didn't. I can virtually guarantee you that the people who mockingly say happy zombie Jesus day, um, because there is a there is a way to say that, which is just funny, just like, oh, yeah, zombie Jesus. It, like it's a it's a funny concept, um, but I can think of that and not be mocking the religion that it's based on. Um, but the people who do say happy zombies, Jesus day mockingly, I can guarantee virtually guarantee you that it's because at some point in their lives, somebody who believed in Jesus made them feel less than because they didn't. And that's how we get into this never ending cycle of you're hurt by one person. So somebody else who is any similarity to that person is going to be the brunt of your anger but then that person is like what the heck i didn't do anything to you now i'm going to be angry at people who are like you because you hurt me and it just and so pretty much we all end up reacting we all end up taking the anger that we get from the hurt that one person gives us and we've channeled that anger into somebody else who doesn't deserve it yeah and then that just that just piles upon itself so i would say that that again you guys listening, totally super listening li- listeners. First of all, thanks for not being a dick and tuning out when we got to the hour and a half mark. Um, <laughs> um, um, but like we should, we need to be the beginning of that when it comes to spoilers or when it comes to, when it comes to spoilers or when it comes to just kind of life. Like if you it just be, it's just the enjoyment of ge- to the enjoyment of these wonderful stories that, that we all of us love. You know, that's that, that we should not, be doing things on Facebook, not that we wouldn't do, 
know, because if you go, don't say it on the Facebook with that you wouldn't say like to somebody in person. And you're always going to get the person, I'm going to say that to this person. You know, I, I'd have no problem. I'd say that right to their face. And I go, okay, but should you? Like, <laughs> like, 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 are you, are you, are you making things better? <laughs> um, like that's, you know, it's, it's okay to celebrate what you love. Um, and it's okay to discuss and find forms in which you can discuss the things that you love. But when it comes to spoilers, uh, you know, just be, be conscientious. If you had a great time, um, or if you didn't, if somebody spoiled something for you, you know, if something, someone spoiled something for you and it bothered you, don't do that to someone else. And if you had a great time because you weren't spoiled, then let other people have that opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. And what yeah, are and the actual hard and fast rules? I don't think there are hard and fast rules, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I think that, that the rule is, is try. Because you said something that I don't think. You, you said everybody's trying to be the best person they can. I don't think that's true. I think everybody thinks that they're the best person they can be. But I mm. think that okay. it's I think that it's important for us all to analyze if we're actually trying to be. At the end of the day, it's about and even in Facebook or something like so I'm thinking of uh, I have a group right, there. There's a Facebook private group that I am part of uh, that was specifically set up for people in my area like or, you know, that in my social circles that are just like this is the secret I have seen end game group. This is where you can go to talk about it without having to worry about spoiling anything because don't join this is an open group but don't join this group unless you're okay with seeing endgame spoilers um it takes uh it it definitely takes a little bit more effort to create a group to you know to sign up for it to you know to do these things than it is just to be able to say uh than just to be able to go on facebook and just post your thoughts um but at the end of the day it really just comes down to this looking for the opportunities and it's not saying who's good or bad because they don't take the opportunities or anything. It's just, you know, in our own lives, it's where are the opportunities where just a little bit of effort can actually make things way more considerate for other people. Yeah. I think that's, I think that is that, that if there's a theme to the show, that's the theme. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of our, of our dissertation on our mm -hmm. dissertation on being nice to your fellow man. And on the history of the the future history of the MCU, um, I don't know what sh what sh show we're going to do next. I have um, I have a particular request. If you are if you are down for it, Arthur, go on. I would like to review 1989's Batman. Oh yeah, no, that sounds um, like a good one. And, sure. and and ladies and gentlemen, we didn't, determine... we hit, didn't we just hit like the 50th anniversary of something or there was a big there was a big Batman milestone that just it's happened. It's the 80th recently. anniversary of Batman. But specifically, here's why I want to I want to hit it uh, next time. Um, and we will decide whether or not to do a series of the four, um, I would say, Burton verse Batman movies, um, the, mm -hmm. the four movies with Michael Go as as Alfred, you could say. Um, mm -hmm. or whether or not just do the first two or just do the one, but we are this summer at the 30th anniversary of the 30th anniversary of the release of the original Batman is this month. Wow. Um, yeah, no, I think it's, totally or no, no, maybe it's June. Maybe it's June. It's, it's next month. Um, I have a seventh grade yearbook with my, with, with a kid named Richard Josie who wrote, go see Batman in my, in, in my yearbook. <laughs> I remember the summer of Batman when I was in seventh grade and I have a seventh grader. Um, as this is the summer of, of Avengers that I've been talking to about the summer of Batman, who I might sit down and show 
that Batman too and see see how it goes. So maybe I will try and get that done if I can see it with him between now and the next time um, and give you that impression. Otherwise, I will just watch it my, myself. But I would love to do 1989's Batman in celebration down with that. Of, of the 30th anniversary of Batman. And um, I'm going to want to do Batman Returns afterward, but we'll see. Let's see how that one goes. Sure. Okay, so Batman is next. Um, uh, but for now, uh, for this episode, my name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. And hey there, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Sorry, Batman uh, reference. Hey there, true believers. Don't be a dick. <laughs> okay. Now that you've finished the show, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of the Totally Super Podcast. Also, if you like this, you should head over to geeksradio.com or search Geeks Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. There you can find Trek Off, the not-safe-for-work Star Trek podcast with Justin and Alexia. So search for Trek Off, search for Pop Off, search for Geeks Radio, and just thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Enlight Entertainment. 